welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the She Talks Health podcast. This is your host, Sophie Shepard, founder of She Talks Health, and I am just so pumped for this episode. You don't even know the lengths that we have gone through to get this recorded because technology is technology, but today we are talking about a topic that has to be talked about, and that is about fibroids and how can we naturally eliminate fibroids? This is something that is just not discussed. And to bring us into full awareness of this topic, we have the incredible Cecily Simmons-Ill, who is the owner of Operation Fibroid Freedom. She is also an intuitive healer, an herbalist. She's a womb Reiki practitioner and she's a natural fibroid elimination coach. So she's literally the bomb. And she also is um, kind of developed this interest of the herb kingdom and natural healing early on as a means to protect the health of her loved ones by adding vitality and longevity to their lives. Her knowledge and expertise came full circle after she was herself diagnosed with uterine fibroids in 2012. The doctors insisted her only option was to undergo surgery. And after almost two years of intense self-study, trial and error and setbacks, she did succeed in becoming 100% fibroid-free naturally. So she's currently offering one-on-one fibroid elimination coaching and consultations as well as having a self-study course called the Fibroid Freedom Toolkit, Herbs and Supplements to Shrink Fibroids Naturally. And we cannot even wait to have her on this podcast to give you guys all the juicy details about how to naturally eliminate these dang fibroids. So welcome to the She Talks Health podcast, Cecily. It's so nice to have you. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yes, and we met on Clubhouse. I, I popped into a fibroid yes. Clubhouse you were doing, and I was like, wow, this girl, she really knows what she's talking about. I got to get her on the podcast. So thank you so much for saying yes. Yes, of course. I love connecting with other women that are working with women, and just networking is great. So it was really cool to have you in the Clubhouse combo. We need actually need to do some more of those uh, in a while. So thanks to Clubhouse for 
having that wonderful platform as well. So. Totally. And if you guys don't know Clubhouse, just DM one of us on Instagram or something and we'll hook you up. That's a great place to learn. Um, so yeah, so I would love to, well, let's start start with basics, which is what are fibroids? And then I'd love to hear your story of naturally eliminating them. So what, uh, what's, it, what's a fibroid for someone who might not know, or they might think they have a fibroid, but they aren't mm-hmm. sure if yeah, they do. Right? Okay, totally. Fibroids are basically non-cancerous tumors. Um, they are basically like stones. They come in all sorts of sizes and um, they can be in different parts of the womb. And based on where they may be located in the womb, they have different names like subserosal, submucosal, intramural, pedunculated, which is the one that kind of grows on stalks, which is really interesting. Um, I had... There's one in the uterine lining and I always get the names mixed up, but the one I had two, I had one in the uterine lining. Um, and then I had one that was just in the vaginal canal that was small, but it was causing horrendous bleeding. Um, and that's one of the things that you will know, uh, if you have uterine fibroids, because you will be in the doctor's office, like what's going on with my body. You may have symptoms like heavy bleeding or, um, something obstructing your movement or digestion. Um, your belly may be distended and protruding where you're only gaining weight or you look pregnant in your, um, midsection, obviously infertility, trying to conceive and, um, you know, women that are 35 and older that are kind of going into perimenopause tend to have, um, issues with fibroids. Yes. I I know that's really interesting that, uh, that age range that's typically, well, not typically, but sometimes that's when people will end up getting fibroids. Um, and I know this is a widespread issue. I think the estimates is that 80% of all women will deal with fibroids and that 90% of African-American women will deal with fibroids. Is that correct? I don't believe in statistics, but you know, <laughs> that, uh, what the majority of people go by, but you know, just, uh, that's what they say. Uh, but I believe, I do feel like once we start to really attach ourselves to statistics, we can easily become that. So I had to look beyond the statistics in order to make my own manifest what I wanted to see because I was told I had to have surgery. So yeah, you're going to read those things, uh, but you have to realize that you don't have to be what the statistics are saying about you. And that's a big part of where whether you're going to be able to do what it takes to go on that natural journey or you just need to go on ahead and go the traditional route. The one is not better than the other. It depends on the woman, there's no judgment because everybody's different. And then something about what you just mentioned, how, and even I mentioned 35 and older, right? The perimenopause range. I feel like now I'm seeing all of my clients are like in their twenties. Yes. I'm saying twenties. I'm like, Oh my God, I was, that was 37. Yeah. <laughs> I think yes. 37, I'm on track, but uh, <laughs> I'm like, this is getting like, it seems like it's getting, it's accelerating, you know? So I think it it really seems to be accelerating. I'm I have a few theories about why that is, mostly because of all the estrogen that's available. Sure. Um, and what you said about statistics is so great because I was told I would have to be on thyroid medication for the rest of my life, that I would have trouble conceive like just so many things mm-hmm. I was told with my Hashimoto's diagnosis, other diagnosis I've had along the way, that like mm-hmm. this kind of like black or white, all or nothing things. And we know that there's a lot of healing that can be done. It might not be studied in a medical journal, but that's why we have people like you to inform us. So, um, okay. So thank you for kind of walking us through 
what is a fibroid and how it might present itself. So if someone's listening and they're like, oh, that sounds maybe like me. And then Mm -hmm. I'll also just throw in before we get into your story that I currently have a a fibroid, a woman with uh, seven fibroids. And she, um, she actually did just have surgery and we are doing both. So she decided to have the surgery and that now work with me on the natural side of things. And one of the first tests I always run with every client is a GI maps and that's a stool test. And Mm -hmm. I just got her stool stool test back today. turns out she has a parasite. She has bacterial overgrowth. She has yeast. Mm -hmm. So this whole digestion part is such a huge piece for things like endometriosis and fibroids and how obstructions with these tumor, you know, benign tumors can cause obstructions in the digestion, can make, you know, the digestion slow down, can ferment our food, and then bacteria can overgrow and we can just have so many issues. Um, and even vice versa, just the inflammation caused by those bacteria. So yeah, I'm glad you, I'm just really glad you mentioned the digestion part. Cause I think that's something that you might not think is related to the womb mm-hmm. space, but it can be. Totally, totally fundamentally connected. And really anything inside of the woman's body in question is connected. Any occurrences, even if it's something on the skin, you know, we look at <clears throat> when we're ta- doing holistic healing, when any goddess, whether she works with a, a practitioner or she decides to go intuitively on her own, she has to look at everything that's out of balance in her body, in her womb, in her mind. And it's all connected because we're all little walking microcosms of information and unexpressed emotions and experiences that we held on to that we don't know we may be holding on to well, as well as the things that we are and like all of our other anxieties or like fear of failure, all of those things go into why a particular woman may be suffering with fibroids. And we have to do that detective work, pair up with somebody like you and I, go deep and see what the other issues are. If it's constipation or if it's like some people don't are not getting periods, you know, but that's where it's like you really got to do like a personalized assessment and then start putting your system, what I like to call with Operation Fibroid Freedom, my Fibroid Freedom Action Plan in place to address all those areas. I love that you just said so holistically, we're not just talking about one part of the body. It's the whole body. It's the, it's the mind, it's the spirit, it's the soul. This yeah. is huge. And you know, trauma residing in the body, all of this, it can show up in our womb space. So I'd love to... Um, I'd love to ask you actually, just to kind of kick off your story. Like was, did you find for you personally that there was like a a mental, emotional or stress or trauma component to your fibroid healing? It's it's funny you mentioned that because when I found out I had fibroids, I was like, what could I have been doing? Because my personality has always been like, go, go, go. I'm an Aries. I was an athlete (laughs) growing up. You know, I ate pretty healthy. I was not a hundred percent vegan, but I was like, you know, I'm always, you know, eat. I love vegetables. I was making smoothies. I wasn't really on point with it. Like back then when I think I was developing fibroids, which I'm going to tell you about, I thought tofu was healthy. So I would eat tofu every now and then. So I'm like, I'm totally (laughs) feeding fibroids back then. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I thought I was doing, I mean, okay. With as women, right? We are two entrepreneurial women. So you already know you got that drive and that business mindset and you have these goals, you have a family, all these other things, you're balancing it. So you're like, I got it. I'm keeping it all together. 
But I was highly stressed and stressing myself out for years prior. I'm just going to say lols. Like, I've got it all together. Like, come on. Like, we all think we have it all together. But yeah, it's like we're, you know, we're, it's like, I think, you know, 2021 is like Operation Women Being Super Women. It's like trying to manage our families and our businesses and and our health and like everything, you know, it's just, there's a lot going on, right? So I, I hear you. That high stress is a, that is a big one. Just in the simple fact that we know one of the main causes of fibroids being estrogen dominance and that stress can lower progesterone, which is going to balance out that estrogen like that. Just in that, it's like huge. Um, so yes, con- continue. Please tell us about like your, your journey here and, and like what you yeah. were. Yeah. It sounds like you were dealing with a lot in your personal life. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I'm a performer, so I'm a singer songwriter. Um, and you know, and I, and before I realized I was going to only focus on singing, I went to New York. I knew I would live in New York all my life. So I graduated college and finally I I saved up some money and I moved to NYC from Marietta, Georgia. I moved to Crown Heights, Brooklyn, where Wu-Tang Clan is from. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I didn't know that you lived in New York. I'm, I'm from the area as well. I just moved out of New York actually. Oh my gosh. Yes. Washington Heights. (laughs) the other side of town (laughs) I live live in Washington Heights but I I looked for an apartment up there once but I lived in Harlem as well so I was all over the place but I was was also like go 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 I got him I was waiting tables to make my money I was studying acting at William Esper studio and just I was all over the place I was having fun though that's when I think I was really feeding fibroids. <laughs> yeah, sure. Just like that kind of hectic New York. Like I always think yeah. like New York energy is really toxic sometimes because it's just like that that drive that you got to go, you got to go, you got to make more money, you got to succeed. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, okay. So and that's where you were. I was, so I, that's where I was, but I was doing it. But there, that's a perfect example for some of us that take on a lot because we, we should have goals and we should press ourselves to, you know, pursue and achieve our wildest dreams. But we have to be honest with ourselves and have a stress management plan in place. I had nothing like that going. I was just like, I figured out as I go, yeah, I'm going to work, you know, 40 hours a week and I'm going to go out and have wine on some of those nights. And then I'm going to get up early and I'm going to go to this audition. And then I have class and just, just everything, you know? So in that time, I know I was probably storing stress and I wasn't on any wonderful adaptogenic program at the time. I didn't know what that was. So that's an example of what I think led to that. But then there's a whole nother level without talking for an hour about this one topic that we could go into (laughs) where I learned from that acting class, because it was one of the premier independent acting studios that you could go to. It still is. And, uh, I didn't know that I had the hardest teacher in the program. Like he mm. trains people now. I'm not going to mention his name because he's still like terrifying to think. I'm just kidding. But it was a really <laughs> like he works with all these famous people. Like every time I look somebody up, I see I'm like, wow, that's the guy that was like for three for like I was with him for an entire year. So it was like a school year and like seven of those 12 months or however long the period was, because it was like 75 percent of the time I was terrified or like going through like toxic detoxing emotions because I was having to stretch myself to become an instrument in that acting program and drop all of, of our social, you know, pleasantries that we are, we, we, we are raised to carry ourselves with to, for protection. So I didn't know that that was a thing. I just signed up, you know? So the whole three quarters of that program, I'm like being told, 
That's not believable. Are, do y'all? I'm sorry. Do you guys buy this? Um, okay. What were you supposed wow. to be wearing? What do you think? Okay. Um, sorry. Can you come back and do that again? Or people, to, you know, so it was just a lot of that. And I wasn't the only one, but I learned afterwards when I finally got it, which is another thing that taught me about the connection to the fact that we can store trauma and body memory and not know it. Because again, I was being asked the majority of the time until I got it and things snapped, why are you holding back? And I'm like, I'm not. And I I didn't know why. I remember calling my mom crying a few times, like they keep saying this and my friends are doing such a good job. I'm sucking at this, that kind of thing. And then finally, I decided to push myself in one of the uh, parts of the program where we were having to work on emotions in front of the class. And I'm trying to speed it up. So I decided to do something that inspired me and also scared me in front of the audience. And that was take my clothes off at the time. Wow. So so I risque. (laughs) But I was like the whole time I would hear these people that are now like a lot of my friends are on television now, right? And they were great actors back then. They were badass. So I was like, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to stand in front of this audience and be completely naked and be like, I don't give a crap what you think about me. I'm in the scene. Like, that's how like real I wanted to be and, and come across. And so I said, I'm going to try it. So I set my little thing up. My little acting partner didn't know what I was going to be doing because you had a partner and you would just come in the room and the audience would be watching you. And I did it. I... <laughs> Oh my gosh. I did it. All I had on was a thong. Wow. (laughs) So I just remember when I finally took my clothes off, I was in character and I'm like, I don't know why you're da 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 da. I just, and I took my bra off and it was like, you could feel the sickness. (laughs) And the teacher was just like, and at the end, he was like, you're, you're okay there. Like, that was pretty, you're okay. When he said, you're okay there, that was like, okay, all right. You brought it today. <laughs> and the whole class was like, holy. But the whole thing with that was, I thought that was going to be it. Later on, I'm at home in my other apartment when I was living off Coney Island Avenue. And <laughs> I'm telling my boyfriend at the time, I did it. I did this amazing thing. I oh my God, I did it. I'm, I'm an actor, that kind of thing. I took off my clothes. I wasn't scared. He goes, you what? And all of a sudden I started getting a download of a memory from being in spelling class, like in the fourth grade of being good at something and being ostracized because I was smart and I wanted the people to be my friend. Um. I got the, the I, that has never happened to me. So I learned you can store trauma and it's real. It's not BS. It can be seen in other parts of your life as you go uh, go through life. It's like your inner child work. It was basically stuff like that that was stored in there for me. That's one example. But I believe another reason why I was able to see, command the fibroid to come out and see it go and get rid of them, right? And it all worked because I was hitting all the areas that feed fibroids. And that creative expression or any sort of shadow work, people really need to, women, goddesses really need to take that seriously and know that it's very personal and figure out whatever it is, even if it makes you uncomfortable, some sort of a plan, therapy, dance, something that you know you want to do that's a, you know, 
in line with your passion or maybe not, maybe something new to exercise trauma out that could be causing you to feed a manifestation of physical growth in your creative control center, which is your womb. Heck yes. This is... So fiery. I uh, I just love, I mean, love everything you just said, because I don't know if you know this, but I am also a former theater person. So uh, we have a lot I more coming. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. And I wow. was behind the table. I was a stage manager. Um, and um, it's really interesting what you just said, because like, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, everything I did was to hide. Like everything I did was to hide. Like I even picked being a stage manager where you literally sit behind mm-hmm. the table. I mean, that's what they call it, right? Like on the other side of the table and you sit in the black clothes in the, in the corner and you try to not be seen. And my aunt last week, for some, whatever reason we were talking about this, she said, you know, when you graduated high school, you ran across the stage to get your diploma. Like, let me just get this as fast as I can, you know, to just not be seen. Um, and so I think, you know, we subconsciously store those things and then they come, they do come out. And, um, you know, for me, it, it's so interesting how it kind of spiraled and spiraled and spiraled into the point where I found myself in a relationship with someone who was, who I, to a certain extent, allowed, you know, to be yeah. verbally abusive to me for longer than probably <laughs> should have allowed. Right. Um, because I just, I thought that I wasn't, you know, valuable enough to, to speak up and to be heard, to be seen, um, mm. to, to, to like fast forward to now, like I have this podcast, right? Like right. talk about being seen. Right. So, but it still comes up for me and I agree with you. I think the creative expression is huge. I love to dance it out. That is my way to like all the stress and drama. I love it. And I dance like an idiot, like total idiot, just like free dancing. Um, and I try to do at least one song a day. Um, and that's my, I love uh, yeah. <laughs> I do the same thing. Ever since the quarantine, I've been in my room. I didn't realize I was terrified to dance on camera right before COVID. And now that's something I do in my sports bra. I did a couple dance fitness classes. I found dance fitness teachers. I love, I totally, I feel you on that because I totally feel the, um, aura, anything like balanced out after I shake it up. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm so glad you shared that part of it. I thought you were going to go into a whole other section. And I know we're, we'll probably talk about food and supplements and things in a minute, but um, thank yeah, you for yeah, sure. sharing the emotional side of, of the fibroid freedom. Um, yeah. So yeah, why don't we talk about um, your experience with your clients and your own experience in terms of you know, what else can we do? Um, we, we talked about the stress trauma component. Um, what can we do around like food? You mentioned you weren't fully vegan at the time. I'm not sure where you are with that, with your diet. Have you found anything specifically that helps with diet and eliminating fibroids? Certainly. Yeah. And that's another thing I had to come to terms with because I thought I was eating healthy. So then I started educating myself on why, what fibroids, fibroids are and why I may have developed them personally. So I was like, okay, what am I doing? What am I eating? I was like, okay, I remember I used to eat tofu. So that probably is something I can take out. Um, so I started to do kind of what's called an estrogen audit where yeah. you kind of, you know about that. Yes, I love this. I do this with my clients. This is oh, okay. Keep going. Tell tell the audience what is an estrogen audit, baby. Yeah. So you go through everything um, that you could be exposing yourself to in 
and on your person, as well as through your beauty, household cleaning products, that could be a source of um, xenoestrogens or endocrine disruptors, right? So with food, um, I was, pro- you know, I looked at anything that was processed and eliminated it. So um, obviously fast food or any of that stuff that I probably grew up eating and, you know, I ate for years, even though I thought I wasn't doing too bad with that, I had to cut it all the way out. All those things are going to make fibroids go big, fat, and strong. So uh, milk, dairy, cheese, also going to cause a lot of mucus, which is going to create that energetic reaction in the cellular tissue. So if you're eating something that's sticky and mucusy, as well as like in addition to cheese and dairy, anything starchy, um, things that are going to break down thick, you know, um, gelatinous sounds gross, but fibroids love those things. And they'll take that as a cue to use that and energetically manifest more fibroid tissue or fibroid material. Um, and obviously it's going to cause hormone imbalance. The dairy and all that has added hormones, um, what else? Meats, which I was eating tons of meat. Um, not tons, but I was a meat eater way, way more than I am now. And I'm going to tell you what my strategy was, uh, because I do recommend that women eat 75 to 100 percent plant based. And I help women figure out what that means based on what's comfortable for them. So if eating plant based is new and you're like, I don't know what that is. Right. There's basic rules. So it's Eating plant-based does not mean going and getting impossible and beyond meat burgers and eating processed. Please don't put that, please don't put that in your mouth. Just if you're listening, yes. please, please, please don't put that in your mouth. It is processed yeah. soy crap. And who knows what else? Who knows it's, what else is really in there made in the lab? It's made GMO. Yeah. It's made in a lab. Therefore, don't put it in your mouth. Okay. Sorry. I get so passionate about this because I see, I can't tell you how many people think that that's a healthier choice than eating grass-fed meat. And I'm like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Like (laughs) it's just so processed. So anyways, okay. Yeah. Like you said, people think, well, I had a uh, plant-based burger. Um, that was better than uh, beef. Well, not if you were going to eat uh, grass-fed organic beef, you might as well just eat that once or twice a month and no more than that. Right. You know? So I love, by the way, what you said about helping people figure out what it means for them. That's huge because there's so much diet dogma out there. So, so yeah. How, how does someone figure out how much this should be for them? They they, want to get to a certain point to where I knew I needed to get to where I could go plant-based for at least 21 days, right? As a beginner, because it takes that 21 days to develop a new lifestyle change, right? So in the beginning, I probably was like, all right, I don't eat plant-based a lot. So I'm starting very baby steps with this. So I'm gonna look at my plate and say 75% of this plate needs to be dark leafy greens or vegetables or what. So you start with plate, go with the plate concept first or the plate model. And then after that, look at, look at it in terms of the week. So four out of the seven days of the week, eat plant-based, right? When you can get that done comfortably, you know, move it up to two weeks out of the month or go into the 21 days because you want to get to where you can at least do 21 days so that you can take in nourishing herbs and supplements, get some sort of a supplement regimen going so that you can perform a detox 
as well as nourishing so that you can detox out that excess estrogen with a, a formalized plan. That's one of the pillars of fibroid elimination naturally. And then also giving your body what it's been missing and what it needs in order for mm. all the systems to function properly. Um, the only way you're going to do that is to get to where you can s- stop distracting your body with having to digest meats and more heavily um, heavy foods. You know, you want to get those things that, you know, could be estrogenic out of your diet and get off of those meats and things that are going to distract your body when you're sleeping um, so that your body can focus on breaking down Mm -hmm. things that really don't need to be in the body. And that's what I had to do. So at, at one point I started you know, to where I needed to work up to the 21 days. And when I was doing that, you know, I'm looking and trying to find out what I can do to support my liver with herbs. And then I'm building from that. Then the next time I do two months, then I get to three months, you know, then I take a break, you know, so that's, that's what I did. And um, I recommend women to do 75 to hundred percent plant-based because you're going to always get the questions are how fast, how soon will this work? Oh, you make a tea house. How, how long will it take for the tea to work? How long will it take? This The question goes back to you. How long will it take for you to commit to the new lifestyle changes that you've figured out you need to make personal to you to cut off the food supply to uterine fibroids? So you got to figure out what you did, what you're doing or not doing that grew fibroids in your womb. Like we mm-hmm. talked about could be more trauma related with some of some of us. It could be more pesticides related for some, you know, it's a balance. It's like a think of a graph with all of these different topics. Every woman's graph is going to look different to get to equilibrium where fibroid freedom is, because we all have different reasons for why the fibroids have been fed and grew. Mm. Oh, just my, my heart's on fire. I love this because so this is this is really interesting because something that I'm hearing from you is that we can take radical responsibility for our fibroids and we have a lot of control as to how they grow. And so this can be both triggering for people who aren't used to taking responsibility for their health, but also really empowering if you look at it from the perspective of, oh my gosh, I've been told my whole life that I have to have this surgery or an embolization for fibroids and I that scares me. I don't want to do that. Or like I have to be on birth control, which is, you know, another method of reducing fibroids and that they say and things. It's like people people think all these things and then you're told, oh, wait a second, I get to eliminate them naturally, but oh, wait, I have to make some really significant changes. So am I ready? And that's part of that. And that's where I think people really need to be honest because people will hear about me and my platform and story and they'll be like, oh, well, she did that. I can do that. But then I'll tell them, start telling them what I'm talking about today and they will start to be triggered. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you are not for what I did uh, a good candidate for this. You should go ahead and sign up for surgery, (laughs) you know, because a lot of people are still trying to figure out what um, things like, like I'll, I'll tell people you need to eat plant-based do high intensity interval training, make sure you're regular, that kind of thing. Give them a quick little four point plan and it'll be basic questions like what's, what's exercise, you know, like what's high intensity interval training or, you know, what's the herbs and supplements regimen. It's like, you should probably go ahead and have the surgery and then also start educating yourself on these things and decide if you're going to be able to start, even start 
any of these things because everyone's not mm-hmm. going to be right for this route. You have to, like you said, take responsibility because I can't do it for you. I can only tell you because my job is not here to be magically healing people. I'm not taking credit for that. That's the creator and the person who has the fibroids. So like I'm here to show you yourself, your higher self is if we're talking our higher selves have met because there's a part of you that probably wants to know, but are you going to do in the flesh part of you? Is that part going to respond and put the work in, you know? And, and, you know, it comes it for a lot of people. I find it comes back down to, cause I'll have the same conversations whether it be fibroids, PCOS, endometriosis, like a million things. Right. And the thing that I see women do a lot is make a lot of excuses for why, they are not worth this investment of time and energy and money. I know that's right. And then I have to say, somebody tried to shame me in my DMs on Instagram, you know, asking me some questions and I'll answer a couple because it will, you know, this work can drain me. And I have to remember that I have to be available for people who are ready as well as my own life and myself maintaining natural fibroid freedom, you know? So I'll and you can't take on all their energy because that's going to just help the fibroids grow back. No, and that's no, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. It is not that. It ain't that type of party over here. Heck so, no. <laughs> so I told her um, my rate for one-on-one coaching as well as my other services. I have services for all budgets in case somebody really wants to work with me. She sent me the emoji of the little, <gasps> the shocked face. <laughs> said, um, you know, how much is the surgical procedures? You know, this is what UFE would be. This is what myomectomy would be. This is, it's less than both of these things. If you have the knowledge to prevent having to do whatever is going to make you put more of these emojis to reflect that amount of money, why would you even insult me to send me that, you know? Think about it. It's preventative. And it's also prolonging fertility. You know? And deeper than that, too, it, these skills we're, we're talking about are lifelong, um, life-improving skills. Yeah. You know, oftentimes when, you know, I graduate a client, they'll say, you know, you changed my life. Not you changed my health. You, you saved my life. You changed my yes. life. Um, and the ripple effect of that having a better relationship with your partner, standing your ground, having boundaries, like all these things are what coaches like, like us do, right. And help people with. Mm -hmm. So you really do have to ask, you know, what, what you want to do. And again, like you said earlier, there's no shame. If you want to go the surgery route, go the surgery route. There's just like, if you're going to go this other way, it's, it's a hard look at reality of what you need to do. So can can we just go back about some yeah. other things that we need to do? Because there was there was something that you said when you talked about the estrogen audit. Yeah, I want to make sure people understand. We've talked about this before on the podcast, but let's just make sure people understand this is not just food, uh, although that's a huge part of it. You yourself said, "What else are we exposing ourselves to?" So when I think about xenoestrogens and mm-hmm. you know the estrogen audit, I think about like personal care, pesticides, um, I, you know, and how my house, you know, what am I cleaning my house with? Um, you know, what deodorant, what toothpaste, what shampoo, conditioner, all those things have changed. And, and by the way, I changed these over years. It took me a while. There wasn't all this information back 10 years ago, but, um, 
It's those a lot. All, yeah. Those are a lot of the things that I think about when I'm looking at my estrogen audit. And the other thing is improving ovulation so that estrogen does not go unopposed to, cause we need, we need to ovulate to create progesterone. Progesterone helps to, you know, helps with fibroids. So is there anything else, um, in the xenoestrogen world that I'm missing that maybe we need to educate people on? I think you hit a lot. We said the deodorant is huge. The toothpaste is huge with the food and the pesticides and herbicides. One of the main ones, um, when we get into that topic, we can also talk about GMOs like glyphosate, which is why they don't want to eat the plant, the pl- fake meats and all that kind of stuff. It's full of those things. Um, what else? Um, uh, it's just environmental. So like being out in the world, uh, you know, chemtrails, those types of things. Um, pharmaceuticals, you know, they put cellular waste in the body. So I, this is something else that I know that I probably uh, did to add to the perfect recipe for fibroids for me. And that was popping uh, ibuprofen and stuff on my cycle growing up all throughout my 20s and being like, oh, this is fine. Well, I'm yeah. in pain. Let me just pop this and just go about my day. You know, those things leave cellular waste in our lymph system. You know, all those things have to be detoxed, um, which is the control is another one. Talk, it just literally is synthetic estrogen. <laughs> I mean, it's an endocrine disruptor. <laughs> Big time. In the meats, hormones in the meats. Um, you pretty much said them all. It's just deeper within those topics. So like beauty products, makeup could be a factor. Uh, with black women, um, melanated women in particular, the hair care product lines, it's ridiculous. Bananas. They're still coming out with stories and whatnot um, on certain channels on YouTube that I've saw, I've seen this week. And these channels are small. They're not getting a lot of, I don't know, this was about a month or two ago, but somebody did a kind of an expose. It was two men, actually. And the channel has nothing to do with fibroids, but they were talking about certain black hair care product lines that are really popular now. And I went and looked in my house and looked in my dad's stuff and I found and saw the additive in all of the products, but there's a, a additive called Kumarin. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It also has, if you look at the material safety data sheets on any products with this substance in it, it can go by like 200 other names. So it's, of course, it can be great. hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Some of the names were like, like almost like a uh, racist and stuff. Like if like they thought people weren't going to go see the product, but the um, additive is also stuff that's made that's used in rat poison, and that's in oh, very popular um, products that are um, being used. I mean, I could I think I threw mine away, but uh, Af- anything African like African prides and all that. Like if you go to any black beauty supply stores any places where they're targeting women of color, you'll probably see that additive or one of those names in the products. And they were saying, you know, this has been happening for years and nobody's been saying anything. And this is probably the reason why, you know, maybe one of the reasons why a lot of these women are having fibroids because of stuff like this, you know, but they were saying also cancer and everything because it caused all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that would make sense, poison causing cancer and fibroids being basically non-cancerous masses in the body. Um, wow. That's, that's thank you for telling us. 
That's a new one. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, the beauty products and the hair stuff, the cleaning, like you mentioned, is huge. Bleaching your clothes. Detergents is a big one. Um, but that's pretty much a good, I think, primer on how to start to suss out where you need to remove xenoestrogens, you know? Great. Um, thank you for confirming and going through that. And especially the the shout out with the, the Black Beauty supply stores. If I believe... The episode with um, where we talked about endometriosis for women of color, that's uh, maybe like 10 episodes ago, they did give a lot of um, of uh, products for women of color that were clean. And I think one of them was a hair care product. I can't remember the name of it. So that might be a good resource for anyone who's listening. Um, but yeah, ugh, it's just <laughs> toxic, toxic, toxic stuff. Um and then before, I definitely want to pick your brain a little bit about some herbs and things because I think that that'll be helpful. But before we talk about about, mm-hmm. about that, you mentioned twice soy and tofu, um, which yeah. you know most plant based eaters think, oh, I you know soy is a really healthful uh, food. Um, I personally literally never recommend it for anyone, even though some people have some positive effects with soy. I think that the negatives outweigh the positives and you have no way of predicting how your body's going to respond to it. And it's really hard to get good quality, but could you explain why you're so like vehemently opposed to tofu and like with soy products? Like why don't you put that in your body with fibroids? Because they're the devil for fibroids and hormones. Now uh, I ate soy. Um, but when I started to research it, we have to also take into account, and this is something I had to come to terms with early I was raised military. I was born in Germany. My dad was a soldier. We moved all around. I had friends of all races. I grew up primarily when I became of age and established my identity in San Antonio, Texas. So, you know, I had a very diverse. So I'm putting that out there as a disclaimer. I believed, oh, we're all the same. We're not all the same. See, that's the key. And there's nothing wrong with embracing our differences. I had to realize that as a woman of color, soy is not probably processing or breaking down in my body the way it does in people who primarily eat soy, people of Asian descent, that kind of type of thing. Everyone's different. Some people may be able to eat soy. I don't recommend it. I don't just tell uh, melanated women not to eat soy. I tell everyone don't eat soy because that could also be um, one of those super highly toxic if you're not eating the right type of soy uh, for some like they say, Tempe and all that type of stuff. I know about that, but I just, I don't F with any of it. <laughs> yeah. So what she's saying is that, um, what Cecily is saying is that uh, some soys, like fermento- fermented soys, like tempeh and miso can yes. sometimes be helpful or he- healthy in some oh, people. Say. That's right. So they say, but then the opposite of it is that it could be very highly estrogenic and growth forming. Um, and so that is that is why I'm assuming that stuff does not go into your body. And you should know and look at, you know, if you really want to try that and you're, you know, a woman of color and somebody, you know, they may say, oh, I'm not having any issues, then you may be different than I am. But we have to realize that, but we are all different and how our bodies and who we are, where we indigenously came from, our blood types, all those things um, did it I matter. Indigenously came from. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. Our factors that influence um, what the state our body's in. And when things are highly out of balance, you got to take full stock and really learn more about you personally. Um, so, you know, with anybody, knowledge of self, 
your ancestry, your womb lineage, all of that is going to help you put your solid plan together and also intuitively knowing soy and tofu was not something that I needed to be eating. Because I could look in my my family line of just things that my family did eat that were healthy um, and grew up eating. And I'm like, there's no, there's no soy in my, not really, not soy based in my ancestry, my ancestral foods. Um, you know, the foods that my family ate a lot. And that's something I do tell women that could be a, a, a source of healing for you energetically as well. When you talk about womb lineage, you know, with women of color, obviously people be like, well, it's soul food. And well, then make it healthy. You know, mm. I make collard greens uh, vegetarian now. I don't put meat in them. They're really good. I have a recipe I'm about to post on my YouTube this week. They're Yay. delicious. Yeah. There's so- a great po- cookbook called um, Down South Paleo, I think, that has like some, if you're going more, if you're, if you can do more paleo, again, yes. it's individual. So you got to find out what works for you, but it, it takes yeah. more Southern cooking and makes it healthier, which is, I think, great for, for anyone who loves that type of food. Yeah, and that may be something that affirms uh, wellness and balance for a woman that you know that is more in alignment for her. You know, so those are, that's why I didn't eat it. I I saw that they said when I started to do more research, some of these studies said soy can cause breasts to grow in young boys and men and women. Young girls can get their periods super early, so that was enough for me to say yeah. stop eating the soy. And I probably had some soy between every now and then when I found out I had fibroids and had horrendous bleeding. I, you know, who knows? Like I, when I said the setbacks taught me, I learned from trying stuff and then realizing my body didn't like it, you know? So you got to also have that resilience and that commitment to put that plan in place, see what happens organically, and then tailor your plan from there too. But, you, you know, go into your um, biome or your ancestral foods and then tweak it and make it healthy for you, you know? So important, this information, especially, you know, what you said about ancestral foods. This is something that in both of the serious trainings that I've done uh, around food talked about the idea of like metabolic typing and, and like um, totally different, different types for different people. And that if you just think of it of polar extremes, like if, uh, if you have an Eskimo, they are not going to survive on plants. <laughs> they probably need a lot of blubber. <laughs> you have um, uh, an African person. They're probably going to have more grains and more f- like vegetables and things in their, in their diet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really important. I think that's really important information. You know, I'm someone who was all mixed around. I have, I'm a quarter African, a quarter English, a quarter Wow. I don't know, just whatever American is, is these days, <laughs> like a mix of <laughs> crap. Um, so, you know, uh, not amazing, amazing crap. Um, <laughs> but um, so anyways, my point is for me, I took a lot of trial and error. And for me, I realized soy was like something I could not do at all, mostly because of my hypothyroidism and soy blocking the thyroid. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also couldn't digest plant proteins very well. So I couldn't be plant-based for a while. That made me feel really not good, but I didn't have fibroids. I had a thyroid issue and mm-hmm. thyroid needs tyrosine. And one of the best ways to get that is from mm-hmm. good quality animal protein. So for me, like in my journey, it's been really important to find when I do eat animal-based products to find really high quality, grass-fed, don't eat a lot of red. I don't eat a ton of red meat. 
um, you know, organic pasture raised egg, like things like this has been really important and very valuable for me. So I think you have to, like you said, you can start with this idea and then you get to experiment for who you are and what what's going to work best for you and take that stock. And we've, we've moved so far away from our intuition when it comes to food so far. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like all of this. It kind of, um, there's a, a word and it's, I can't think of the word I'm trying to, that I'm feeling, but when you move that way with what you're eating and how you're eating, um, I think it may supersede being hyper-focused on whether you're eating hundred percent plant-based because you're eating in a way that's healing for who you are energetically, physically, everything. You, you just make it a healthier version of those things. You can still do plant-based like 75% of the time or 85%. But if you want to go have high quality grass-fed beef, you know, or uh, organic antibiotic free, no hormones, just completely organic, non-GMO chicken, that type of thing, you'll be okay as long as you have something in place to cleanse so that you can support your body being able to focus on detoxing out the toxins that are going to be in your body, if you don't support it and it's distracted with, you know, digesting meat all the time, if that makes any sense. Um, That makes a lot of sense. And I know you're an herbalist. So, I mean, maybe this would be a great place to kind of end us on is like, what are some of the herbs or supplements or cleansing tonics that you have found or that you find with your clients are particularly helpful in this arena, whether it be, you know, their first initial detox or something maybe that they take every day um, that really, really helps. So every, okay, as a herbalist, um, what we don't want to do, and nobody, you don't really know this um, until you get into this sphere. I didn't know this, but I do know now you can't just tell somebody because everybody is unique and herbs are different. And then there's a whole different um, chemistry is not the right word. Matt, magic ain't the right word. But when like, we put our- isn't it that it depends on the person's energetics, what kind energy of herbs signature. would work? Yes. And then the herbs have their own energy signature, right? Um, so different combinations and different herbs will be better for different people. Okay. That being said, there are herbs that we can talk about that are good to support the liver that are great go-tos like milk thistles. Great. That's a great beginner. Um, I love milk thistle. I use that all the time. Yeah. I love that. You're on the right track for sure there. Um, some other good ones are like burdock, dandelion root, um, it just depends on what other op- things are going on in the body and what are your other health goals and also your intention for your herbal regimen, you know, who you are, your blood type, all those things. Um, cause all the different herbs have different, um, or multiple properties that they address. So milk thistle is primarily talked about in terms of liver health, but I guarantee you, you're going to find 10 other things. If you pull out what's called the, uh, Materia Medica sheet on that particular plant that you can use milk thistle for. And you can use milk thistle in another blend or for other reasons and put that intent with it for somebody else. And it can be helping somebody eliminate edema as opposed to focusing primarily on the liver. That's when you get kind of into um, the spiritual signature of herbs because they're living, they're a kingdom of their own. And we use them and we can communicate with them and give them commands for how we want them to work. And they're here as tools for us to use and work with in that way. That's very cool. Yeah. You know, if somebody has like 
diabetes and dandelion is probably a better thing for them. But that's just me. You may say, well, I want to give this person burdock because I I feel like it's going to help their blood not be so sluggish and address liver and help them with diabetes too. And then that's what will happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. different. Yeah. Um, so a lot of yeah. it sounds like it's also the person's intention of like, this is going to be healing for me in the ways that it needs to be healing for me. That's right. And yeah. yes. When I had fibroids, I started for sure with milk thistle. I did a lot with hibiscus tea. It was also great for me because hibiscus is, and that's a simple herb. It seems simple. People are like, oh, that ain't nothing. I I drank hibiscus tea so much, but it doesn't have to be complicated. It'll also lower blood pressure. You know, so like if that was a problem for somebody, maybe that's a better starter for them. Um, And then, of course, there's different ways you use these herbs that may determine which one you want to use. Because maybe somebody doesn't want a tea, they want capsules. Maybe they want a tincture. Maybe they want a yoni steam. I was just going to ask you like uh, about yoni steaming. We've talked about that only once on the podcast, just a little bit. It was actually on a trauma for the womb podcast we did with um, Mm. Dr. Miriam Bove not too Mm. long ago. Um, And she does recommend yoni steaming in her practice when she's dealing with trauma of the womb. And so I kind of just asked her about it and she was just saying that can be really, really useful for the right person. Um, Do do you use that in your, or do you ever recommend that for people or not so much? I'm not a yoni steam person. I do value. I see the value. I, I, I work with so many people now that I have networked that do yoni steam. So I just refer people when, if it comes up, but when I had fibroids, I didn't yoni steam. Wow. Okay. So you, yeah, you did herbs another way. You did the, I like, just did herbs, cleansing. I made sure all of my bodily systems that I, were were functioning to their fullest. Mm-hmm. I made sure I was not um, stopping any elimination process. I was supporting it. Um, I sweated, sweat, sweat, sweat. You know, you got to be good. Poop, sweat, poop. Poop, <laughs> there you go. I was going to say number two, but poop, poop yes. is essential. Um, those are some easy things that you can kind of, throw out there. And if people are kind of acting like they don't want to, you're like, you're not ready for a natural or holistic anything. But if you're not pooping regularly, not willing to commit to sweating at least minimum, but you really need to be doing four days a week. I would say three, but you really got to put pressure on the fibroids, like not physically, but pressure like, oh my God, I'm uncomfortable. If you're doing a 20, 30 minute high intensity interval workout of some sort, everybody's different. Um, and sweating four mm-hmm. times a week, the fibroids energetically are going to be like, this sucks. I, I <laughs> can figure out how to get out of here. You know, that's literally what happens. <laughs> I love that. And I also want to say for anyone who might be listening, cause I do a lot of work with people who have massive adrenal fatigue and, and that's not even a real terminology. We, we t- call it HPA access dysfunction, but I think people know what I mean when they, when I say adrenal fatigue and burnout, that mm-hmm. hit wouldn't be a good option for them. You can also do a lot like with, if you have access, this is a kind of like, maybe you wouldn't have access to it, but know that also an infrared sauna or a regular sauna will help you sweat. And that's a great detoxifier as well. Um, like hot, hot Epsom salt baths, like just try to get creative. If you're in a place where you just, I have clients who literally can't go for walks because they're so fatigued. So, you know, there's other ways you can, you can get your sweat up. Um, but you're right. I mean, gosh, going number two, you know, there's a marker in the GI maps that we run, um, that I was telling you about earlier and it's beta glucuronidase and beta glucuronidase is this enzyme that I always think of this. I don't know why I have this analogy in my head, but it's like, 
the liver does this beautiful job using things like milk thistle and all the amazing foods we eat on our on our healthful diet. And it does this great job of packaging up all of the toxins to be excreted. But then the third step of elimination is through the stool. And so there's an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase. When it's activated, it will unbind that last part of liver conjugation and make our everything basically just get dumped back out. I always think of this like the Amazon plant. Like if you're like liver is the Amazon people in the plant and they're like putting all your stuff in the Amazon box to ship to you. And then the Amazon delivery guy, instead of like putting it nicely at your doorstep, like chucks it at your door and all the estrogen and toxins like get released. I see this all the time. Like I see liver stagnation and then I see high beta glucuronidase on a GI maps. And it's like, wow, their liver is actually working great but they're not pooping it out. All their estrogen and toxins are getting recirculated. So you're so like spot on that yeah. good quality poop <laughs> and not just the quality going to the bathroom, but your the balance of your microbiome specifically, which mm-hmm. is if it's imbalanced, is going to create this, this funny word called beta-glucuronidase that's going to circulate your estrogen and toxins. That's a huge issue. So you got to look at the whole body. I think it's really important that you're talking about all these steps. It is. And, uh, you know, I think it's, I think back on it. Cause I remember when I had fibroids and I was like, man, I just pray. I was hoping, man, I really, God, if you help, please help me get rid of these. I was just like, I don't know how, but if I can ever get rid of these and see, I was trying to visualize, visualize me on the other side of fibroids and I didn't know how I was going to get there. And here I am, wow. you know? So I know it was spiritual as well because I I didn't have this knowledge. I just knew I needed to support my body's natural processes to get the stuff out and give my body what it had been been missing. So I love that analogy with the Amazon. (laughs) I think it's funny. I don't know why that one, but I love what you're just kind of ending here with, which is that like you can intuitively heal and yeah we think that we need all these fancy gadgets and gizmos, but you know, sometimes it just comes down to the basics, get good quality sleep, release your trauma. That's not really basic. That takes a while, but (laughs) you know, manage your stress, you know, eat well, drink water, go to the bathroom. Like some of the ladies are like, I, I haven't had sex. I'm waiting until, and I'm like, is that what you really want to be doing? Well, Okay. Well, you need to do whatever you're going to need to do for you to feel balanced, feel fed in all of your areas. So if you need to have sexual activity, that may be the one thing for you that's going to help balance out your whole chart. Everyone's different, you know, but that's everyone's different. Yeah. That's another big topic that definitely has to be spoken about in terms of endometriosis, fibroids, like any sort of sexual feelings, trauma, stress. and Trauma. Yeah. So I think um, that's too much, not enough. If maybe you're having sex, but you don't feel loved or all of those things. Yeah. Like we have to look at ourselves and be a hundred percent, keep it real with ourselves and then come to somebody like yourself or me and we will help you make it a little bit easier for you to get to elimination of fibroids and endometriosis, you know, but you can intuitively do it as well. You have everything you need if you Mm. are going to put the work in. If you're going to put the work in. Awesome. So gosh, I feel like we could just keep talking forever, but it's been (laughs) almost an hour. So (laughs) let's, um, (laughs) Cecily, um, how can 
people with fibroids get in touch with you and your amazing offerings? Of course. You can go to operationfibroidfreedom.com and you can book any of my services there online. You can email me fibroidfreedom at gmail.com and you can inquire. I can tell you about my services. You can sign up for that and you can do a one hour consultation or you can do, um, I do have, I just launched group fibroid freedom coaching. I just started that for the first time, a group offering, um, that's kicking off. Well, it's kicked off last week. We'll be on module number three this coming weekend, but I will be doing another installment of that sometime this summer. Um, and it's kind of a deal because I do multiple women as a group. Um, so it's, it's all you would get in uh, one-on-one fibroid elimination coaching, except it's more of an intensive style of teaching where it'll be four consecutive Saturdays or four consecutive Sundays. And we drill everything. I give you the whole arsenal as well as help you personalize and tailor that information to you. Um, in that intensive format. So they can reach out and join that. That's just a thousand dollars. It's, it's really cool. And then I help them um, organize that information into their own plan um, as we're going throughout the intensive. And then other than that, it's 90 day one-on-one. But yeah, I also do womb Reiki energy healing. Um, And yeah, they can just reach out to me through any of those channels. I'm on Instagram at OP fibroid freedom. Um, so yeah. Cool. Thank you very much for sharing all those options. I know you said you have lots of different, you know, price points for different people, which is fantastic. And that's really important too. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Cecily. And thank you so much for doing this work and sharing your own story and how you healed naturally from fibroids. I couldn't thank you enough. It's my pleasure. I had a great time. Thank you for having me. Yes. Awesome. And uh, we'll see you soon, guys, on the on the She Talks Health podcast. This is Sophie Shepard. I'm going to sign off until the next time. I hope this episode rocked your socks and got you a lot of a lot of information to help you heal naturally from fibroids. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.